the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. I was rereading William Buckley's book, The Unmaking of a Mayor. It was about his run for mayor of New York City in 1965. It opens with a press interview he constructs because it's a literary tool to explain that to the people which the media will never ask about. In that vein, my attempt. Maybe we should say their names or lead a protest to say their names. Tamara Durand, age 52, Wilhelm Hospital, age 81, Jane Kulik, age 52, Liana Owen, age 71, Virginia Sorensen, age 79. They were all killed this past weekend in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Were they guilty of anything? Did the state execute them? No. Their only crime was participating in a Christmas parade. Well, who killed them and why? Allegedly one Daryl Brooks, age 39. They were allegedly killed when Mr. Brooks plowed his car into them. Well, why would Mr. Brooks do that? Well, Mr. Brooks was out on bail and is evidently a violent criminal. On bail for what? For recklessly endangering the safety of his child's mom by trying to run her down with his vehicle along with charges of disorderly conduct with domestic abuse assessments and felony bail jumping. When he was arrested for all that, he was out on bail previously yet again for attempting to gun down his own nephew. His social media shows him to be a supporter of Malcolm X and saying things praising Adolf Hitler. Mr. Brooks is, as it turns out, himself a black man, though the New York Times and CNN would not tell you that. But wait, you may ask, I thought the racist in all this was Kyle Rittenhouse. Didn't Joe Biden call him a white supremacist? Didn't Arizona Secretary of State say Rittenhouse's exoneration would lead to more white supremacy? As a friend of mine asked last night, how many black people did Kyle Rittenhouse kill? Did he say racist things, share racial posts? The answer to those three questions are zero, no, and never. So how come the charges of white supremacy and racism? Well, as the left likes to tell us, we need to go to root causes. So let's do that. There were riots in Kenosha following the shooting of one Jacob Blake last year. The police shot Jacob Blake when he refused to submit to arrest, reaching for a knife, avoiding two taser strikes from the police after resisting arrest. But didn't Joe Biden reach out to the Blake, to Jacob Blake and his family and praise them all? Yes. Why would he do that and then lambast Kyle Rittenhouse? Again, root causes. So shall we? What was the root cause of the police seeking out Jacob Blake in the first place? Here's the story from the New York Post. Funny how you won't get it from the New York Times, which of a sudden seems to care about root causes only discriminately. The police were attempting to arrest Jacob Blake for violating a restraining order stemming from an alleged sexual assault. Blake, 29, 
was forbidden from going to the Kenosha home of his alleged victim from that earlier incident, and police were dispatched following a 911 call saying he was there. What was the sexual assault? It's too graphic, and I can't detail it all here because we attempt this to be a family show, but it involved digital rape and also the stealing of car keys. If that restraining order were broken about my daughter, I'd want the police there faster, not slower, and I'd want that man behind bars. I'm not sure about you. So the root cause of Jacob Blake's arrest and shooting were the violation of a restraining order over rape and theft while trying to avoid arrest for same and reaching for a knife after tasers failed to subdue him. So there were riots over this in Kenosha, Blake's being shot. There were riots over a rape and theft suspect being shot while armed and resisting arrest. Oh, yes, the city was burning. A state of emergency had been declared. The National Guard was called out. And Kyle Rittenhouse was part of that? Nope. No. He went to Kenosha to work as a lifeguard and then to protect the property that was being targeted in those riots. And on video, there's actually a policeman thanking him for his help. So did Joe Biden call and thank him, too, or pray with him? No, he called Rittenhouse a white supremacist. For shooting black people? No, for shooting white people who were rioting on behalf of a black person. A person who was a civil rights leader? No, a person who was wanted for rape and theft and reaching for a knife and resisting arrest. Well, why wasn't this more prominently reported? Well, I can't answer that outside of the one thing that seems to distinguish all these stories, the race of the alleged assailant and the race of the alleged victim. Well, don't they teach reporting all the facts of a story anymore? Well, I don't know. I do know at ASU's Cronkite School of Journalism, the editor of their radio station linked to a story that described this history. You know, the reason the police were trying to arrest Jacob Blake in the first place. And she got fired for that. Well, did she link to something inaccurate or unrespected? No, she linked to the New York Post, a newspaper Alexander Hamilton founded. Oh, we like him, right? Broadway and all that? Yes and no. Why yes and no? Well, a lot of us have been loving Hamilton, actually, and quoting him for years. It seems the arts community, only after this play, where he and other founding fathers are characterized as racial minorities. Oh, so he's good now because he's not white? I guess so. But does that explain why ASU fired a journalism student for linking to a fact-based story that helps understand the Jacob Blake arrest and shooting and fallout? Well, no, but ASU has a race problem. It sees no problem with certain races not being able to situate in certain buildings at ASU, like the multicultural building. But isn't that discrimination? I mean, are there places at ASU where other minorities can't be there by dint of their skin color? Yes, it's discrimination. No, of course there are no places at ASU where minority students cannot go because they are minorities. Never. That would be racist. Oh, right. Because I seem to recall in the 50s and 60s, we did that with water fountains and schools and lunch counters. Yes, you recall right. We abhorred that and marched and fought against it. Martin Luther King's famous march in Washington was on behalf of a law to end all that, which we got, thank God. But that still doesn't explain why why Kyle Rittenhouse is said to be a white supremacist or why he was singled out by Joe Biden as such. 
His victims, you say, were white? Yeah, they were. Though I don't know it's right to call them victims, since that implies there were innocents who were shot, which would usually result in a homicide conviction, which never came. So who were the white people Kyle Rittenhouse shot? Well, the first one was a person just discharged from a mental hospital who tried to chase down Kyle Rittenhouse. He had a lot of behavioral issues. For example, multiple charges of sexual abuse of minor children. Who was the second? Oh, he tried to chase Rittenhouse down and tried to take him down by hitting him with a skateboard. He, too, had a lot of behavioral issues, including being found guilty in the recent past of a felony for strangulation and suffocation, domestic abuse. He was also convicted in that case of felony false imprisonment with a dangerous weapon. Well, what of the guy that did get away, the last guy, the one who pointed his own gun at Rittenhouse? Yes, he too had felony convictions. And remember, pointing a gun at Rittenhouse was against the law too. Were any of those guys condemned by Joe Biden or the media? No. Oh, they must have been in Kenosha's streets legally then. Well, no. Remember, there was a riot taking place. A state of emergency was declared. The National Guard was called in. Nobody there was there legally. But of all the hundreds of people there illegally, only Kyle Rittenhouse was condemned by Joe Biden in the press. The guy without any previous felonies and who had done nothing wrong until being there. Do I have that right? Yes, you have that right. You remember your Abraham Lincoln, don't you? When he asked Are all the laws but one to go unexecuted? That's what happened. All the laws and all the lawbreakers except one, Kyle Rittenhouse, were unexecuted. Why? Oh, you see, you forgot your root causes again, Jacob Blake. Well, if Jacob Blake was shot illegally or wrongly, wouldn't the Department of Justice open an investigation into the police for violating his civil rights? Sure. And they did. And they chose not to prosecute. Well, that must have been because William Barr was the attorney general. Well, no, this was under Joe Biden. So Merrick Garland's Department of Justice found no violation of Jacob Blake's civil rights. Well, don't you think we should have known about all this? Yes. But when you fire reporters who try to report it, censor others, and create false narratives that suit your predilections and prejudices, you will not have the facts. You will have other people's facts, or other people's truth. You did see Whoopi Goldberg on The View yesterday, didn't you? She said, and I quote, quote, to me, what Rittenhouse did was murder, close quote. Now you understand true true vigilantism, don't you? No, what do you mean? Well, vigilantism is when you take the law into your own hands. Rittenhouse was never charged with murder. But Whoopi Goldberg got cheers for saying her truth is that he is a murderer. Then why have a jury of 12 and not a jury of 331 million making up any fact pattern they want? Aha! Now you get the word vigilantism, don't you? It was fine for Whoopi to play the vigilante as her truth as opposed to the truth is what mattered most to her. But isn't that a problem? If I have more people who believe in my truth... And if that greater number of people believe Whoopi should be detained or punished for some reason? You mean if she didn't break any law? Well, I mean if she didn't break laws as you saw them, but did break laws that I saw or invented, and if her behavior was something I or we didn't like. 
oh yes, that's called lawlessness, that's called vigilantism, that's called might making right. Isn't that what Whoopi was doing, though? Yes, that's correct. It's the claim of every tyrant's legitimacy. So to make sure I understand, we had rapists, we had domestic violence abusers, we had hundreds of people breaking a law requiring the National Guard and causing tens of millions of dollars worth of damage, putting a city into lockdown and fear all over a police shooting the Department of Justice under Joe Biden didn't think could or should be prosecuted. And the one person receiving all the calumny is the only person a jury found not guilty of anything? Yes. Well, how can that be? Well, I'm uneasy with this, but I did read that one of the racial hero scholars of our time, Ibram X. Kendi, who Jack Dorsey gave $10 million to, wrote this in his most popular book, quote, The only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, close quote. And people buy that? Yes, why not? Well, for starters, doesn't his school of thought teach that all racism and systemic racism at that started with slavery in America? Yes. Well, then to take him seriously, in 1865, the right thing to do would have been not to pass civil rights laws or try to engage in Reconstruction, but to have all the liberated slaves become masters and enslave their previous masters, the other whites, no? Well, I never thought about it like that. Well, that's why it's so absurd, isn't it? Use present discrimination to fix past discrimination? When would that end, especially if it went on too long? Couldn't you just go back to slavery all over again, one race enslaving the other? I mean, it's not that slavery was bad because it was white on black, was it? It was bad because slavery is bad, no? Isn't that how Lincoln put it? As I would not be a slave, I would not be a master? Well, you would have thought that, but... That, I have to tell you, in our modern dispensation, is simply your truth or Lincoln's truth. And Lincoln is taught to be a racist these days, if he's, if he's taught at all. Okay, so back to the beginning. We should expect Joe Biden to denounce Daryl Brooks, an actual racist who praises Hitler and Malcolm X and killed more people than Kyle Rittenhouse, no? No, I would not expect that. Why not? Well, we've been taught, schooled, and trained that by dint of some skin color, you simply cannot be racist. And as it turns out, Mr. Brooks is of that skin color. Oh, I get it. That's why some people of some races are judged more harshly now and can be submitted to the public execution of character assassination, libel, and slander. Why some people of some races are forbidden from being at certain buildings at our public universities. Why some people of some races can be innocent of all charges, but guilty in the public mind, while those who have committed heinous crimes will be seen and treated angelically. Yes, thank you. I understand now. The point is to know and to not know, to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies, to simultaneously hold two opinions which cancel doubt know them to be contradictory, and yet believing in both of them, to use logic against logic, to repudiate morality while laying claim to it, to believe that democracy was impossible and that the party was the guardian of democracy, to forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then to draw it back into memory again at the moment when it was needed, 
and then promptly to forget it again, and above all, to apply the same process to the process itself. That was the ultimate subtlety you're describing, consciously to induce unconsciousness, and then once again, to become unconscious of the act of hypnosis you had just performed. Yes, now you understand. And thank you for quoting George Orwell. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Just thinking about that uh, band, Jay and the Americans, Jay Black and the Americans. They all changed their names, including Jay Black. They were all Jewish Americans who changed their names to something uh, much more, uh, much less ethnic. They wanted to be seen as nothing more than Americans. To them, that was what was important. It's an interesting challenge and struggle, isn't it, to think about Maybe this goes to the heart of many of our debates in America. Didn't plan to speak on this. We can think about it. Uh, the the notion of out of many one, e pluribus unum, and uniting around common themes and symbols of Americana and Americanism while also maintaining uh, our unique uh, identities. But at the same time, you'll notice I hesitated. I was about to say national identities. We have but one national identity now, don't we? And, of course, I don't think many people need or would need or think they need to change their names or it's the phrase anglicize, anglicize their names anymore. That also shows you the trajectory this country has been on. In fact, if anything, the trend is otherwise – you look at people adopting names they weren't born with because they were too anglicized, going to creating names of past heritages, religious, ethnic, um, and other countries' nations. It's an interesting thing. We're going back to that so that we can what? So that we can what? Re-identify as not what our family name was? And is not what our country is, but as something else. This is true of a lot of people. They don't feel the need to the way they once did. They now have the desire to. It's the trajectory this country has been on ever since World War II ended. You've heard me cite the poll, the Gallup poll in the 1950s. People would move. How many people would move? 90% of white people would move if a black person moved into their neighborhood in the 1950s. By the 1990s, that number became less than 2%. Somehow, someway, somewhere, we became a much more racially conscious country since the 1990s. How did that happen? The best explanation, I think, is still from Larry Elder. Supply is greater and the demand. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us the culture and economy update with John Dombrowski, Jr. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, Grand Canyon planning.com his radio show every saturday morning here at 7 a.m 
The Word on Wealth. John, how are you? Fantastic. Thank you, Seth. Thank you for everything you do, John. Um, there's a couple interesting things in the news, and the economy part of the news is, is probably taking a hiatus given all the other stuff coming at us. But tell me about um, interest rate move today that seemed to impact the stocks. Yeah, we had a tick up in the uh, 10-year Treasury again, and that happened on uh, that happened yesterday also. And we're starting to see yields dr- jump, and I, I looked back and I I saw that back in March, end of March last uh, this past year, we ticked, you know, right up around that 1.7 percent on the 10-year yield, and that definitely had an impact on the market back in in March. And we're starting to see rates creeping back up towards that uh, level again, 1.7 on the 10-year. And if that's that's you know where that that high water mark was back then, we're going to really kind of wait and see if that starts to spike above that. And it certainly triggered a little bit of a response in tech companies today, which are sensitive to interest rates. And we saw the Nasdaq uh, pulling back quite a bit this this afternoon, but uh, they did retrace and gain back some of the losses before it actually closed today. Uh, but the Dow on the other side of it and the S&P did both close higher. So it was a mixed bag today on the market. Um, one of the things we think about when the market is huge companies. A huge company is Tesla. It's in the news again today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because um, we're seeing Tesla uh, definitely outperformed with their reporting when they came out this uh, quarter. Uh, and they're talking about they're going to be spending a billion dollars on the new factory that they're building in Austin, Texas, as many of us may have already heard. Um, Elon Musk basically uh, sold all of his real estate holdings, and, you know, personal real estate holdings, his houses, and he is now uh, res- residing in Texas. And uh, he is sick and tired of the California politics and what's happening over there. So. Uh, building a billion-dollar factory, a gigafactory, they're calling it in Texas, and they're uh, expecting that this is going to be finished by the year-end. And, boy, if you were to look at the picture, I'm looking at it on my computer right now, the size of this factory is just amazing. And they're uh, preparing to uh, begin uh, manufacturing their, their new pickup trucks and utility vehicles, uh, as well as some of their other, auto, other car models as well out of this factory. Elon Musk is going to be some kind of interesting man for the history books someday, don't you think? I oh mean, my gosh, first of, of all, it's possible the guy could become a trillionaire, isn't it? it it's I mean, very he's likely. worth multiple hundreds likely. of billions now, isn't he? Yes, yes. It's very likely that um, if he lives long enough, uh, that he certainly probably would be the first individual trillionaire, which would be. Uh, a same uh, token, unfathom, yeah, I can't even fathom, you know, uh, that amount of money for one individual, right? I, I, so much so that he can afford to get into a fight with the U.S. senator. Did you see this? You may not have. He was fighting back and forth with Bernie Sanders. I did see that. He he thought he said I forgot he was alive or something. Yeah, like that. First he said I forgot he was still alive, <laughs> but then he said, Hey Bernie, do you want me to sell some more stock? This guy is right. so wealthy he can just do this. Sure. Sure. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but uh, I would say that he's obviously a, a tremendous innovator. He's a job creator, uh, and he certainly is putting this, uh, this uh, idea of you know, electric vehicles and the potential of uh, alternative fuels. Um, and he's ahead of the curve, I would say, of just about anyone out there right now. So 
Uh, he's, he's definitely going to change the way, uh, you know, the world looks at uh, electric vehicles and other technologies. Yeah, and I, it would be interesting to see, you know, if his name does go down as big in the history books as, say, uh, John D. Rockefeller's. I think he's probably close to that kind of wealth and sure. probably will surpass it if he isn't. I believe that would be the case. Yeah. You know, one of the questions I hear from people is, you know, should I be investing in, uh, you know, Tesla? Yeah, should I go along tech, with that ride? Tech, yeah. yeah. Technology. Yeah. And, of course, everyone's situation is different. Sure. Uh, but I would say is, is that uh, we can see the push towards uh, this type of technology uh, with the current administration. And, of course, we're going to see this as GM announced that by, I believe, it's 2035 that they will no longer be producing uh the combustible engine vehicles yeah, yeah. so they're going all electric so there's definitely a push towards this uh where you, should you be investing well you should be working closely with your investment advisor about that and if uh that's something you need help with i'd certainly be happy to sit down and talk with the listeners out there to help them and we've been meeting with a lot of the listeners from your show seth and oh, that's I'm, good I'm just it's, delighted well you are the best john that's that. that's why we love you so much you are the best oh, thank you sir. you betcha thank you so much seth for everything you do as well thank securities you. and advisory services offered through client one securities llc a member of finran sipican and investment advisor frank hanging planning associates llc and client one securities llc are not affiliated bless you thank you Lulled sound. Lulled sound. That's beautiful music. That's, of course, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. We have uh, two free tickets to give away, don't we, to their December 5th Christmas concert here in Phoenix. December 5th, if you're the next caller, we'll happily give you two free tickets to that Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert. 602 Just speaking of music... Um, just briefly, I, I need to do this. We, we talk about culture here, too, don't we? Um, I noticed you told me, Bill, thank you for this, um, that there's a new book out by Malcolm Gladwell, whose works I really do like. I know there are certain criticisms of them, but I really do like them. And he wrote a book, I guess, on Paul Simon. And I can't wait to get it. I didn't know about this. I'm surprised I didn't. Uh, but the reason I'm interested in the book is I've always thought if there was one musician I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with, it would be Paul Simon, given his lyrics. I understand sometimes he has brushed away in interviews the amazingness of some of his lyrics by just saying things like, well, I just needed a rhyme. <laughs> but I think there's something bigger to it, larger to it. Um, and uh, anyway, I'm, I'm looking very much forward to Malcolm Gladwell book on Paul Simon, uh, Miracle and Wonder, it's called, based on uh, the song uh, uh, the song with those lyrics in it. This is the age of Miracle and Wonder. We play that on our, uh, on our bum- in our bumper music. Um, the Boy in the Bubble, it's called. Uh, by the way, his partner of so many years, Art Garfunkel, is one of the most well-read people in, the, in maybe the world. Maybe in the world. I think he has one of the biggest, largest, again, largest private libraries in Manhattan, which is saying something, city of large libraries. Um, but it's also interesting that Art Garfunkel didn't really write any of the music with all that vocabulary and all that familiar familiarity with literature, isn't it? I think it is. Uh, anyway, we'll talk. Uh, we can talk about uh, any of that if you want. 
I, uh, I will tell you my, my review and analysis of the book. But two smart people talking about some of the most interesting things. Uh, boy, Malcolm Gladwell and Paul Simon. Yeah, you bet. I'm, I've already bought, bought it. I'm, I, I can't wait to listen to it. I think it's an audio book that I bought. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal that was forwarded to me. COVID-19 breakthrough hospitalizations concentrated among most vulnerable. And it has some interesting statistics, but more than that, it has some frustrating statistics. As many of you know, I have uh, been trying to track down breakthrough hospitalizations and breakthrough deaths. For those that aren't familiar with the phrase, it means people who were hospitalized with or from COVID or died with or from COVID having been fully vaccinated. If you didn't know it, yep, it's a thing. Joe Biden was in fact wrong when he said this summer, if you get vaccinated, you won't get sick, you won't go to the hospital, you won't die. It's not true. It was followed shortly by the theme that COVID is now a disease of the unvaccinated. I heard someone the other day say it's a disease of the idiots, people who wouldn't get vaccinated. Um, So the CDC actually, until two weeks ago, had a running tab of people who had breakthrough hospitalizations and breakthrough deaths, people who were doubly vaccinated or fully vaccinated and yet got sick and went to the hospital, or yet got sick and died. And the CDC was running that tally for you. You could research it. They took it down. I have asked them again and again why I have gotten no response. And very few states, a few, but very few, will report this. Arizona happens to be one that won't. What are they keeping from us? Well, You find an interesting thing in this Wall Street Journal when you look at this, for it says there have been um, 72,000 hospitalizations and 20,000 deaths amongst the fully vaccinated this year. But that's on numbers that are about three weeks old. So... Is this a disease of the unvaccinated when 72,000 of them and over 20,000 of them have been hospitalized and died respectively? You don't hear people much saying this is a disease of the unvaccinated anymore, do you? You do, however, see that you can't get the numbers because it ruins the numbers, ruin the talking port. How did Aldous, Aldous Huxley put it? He said this would be an. He said there are examples of ugly facts killing beautiful theories. Maybe a beautiful theory that the vaccinated are impervious. It's an ugly fact that they are not. It may be a very politic thing to say that this is a disease of the unvaccinated. It's an ugly fact that it is not. Well, what does that mean? 20,000 deaths amongst the fully vaccinated in the U.S., and that number itself being outdated by several weeks. Well, by my calculations, using timelines and death counts, first of all, a warning. Don't compare 
the breakthrough deaths with all COVID deaths. It's not a fair analysis. That is to say, you really can't use any of the deaths from last year because there was no vaccine. There's no control group. So I've estimated breakthrough deaths based on since the vaccine became available. And then I added a few weeks just to be conservative. It's available. There's an urge. There's a surge. And I gave it about a month. I come up with a 15% breakthrough death rate. It will get higher. People will say, well, obviously it's going to get higher as more people become vaccinated. That's a good thing. Is it? Well, what's the point of the vaccine? Well, for most people, it mitigates the harm of COVID, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But I don't want you to operate on the bad fact, on the, in this case, ugly fact, that because you're vaccinated, you're fine. There's a worse fact circulating, and we can attribute it to any number of people. We had a meal, made a meal of this with Charles Barkley, because he made a meal of it, that the vaccine actually helps or saves or keeps safe other people. No more so than my producer Bill putting on his jacket when he thinks I'm cold. No more so. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. The various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960. Lisa's in Phoenix. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Long time no talk to you, but I'm so hot today. Oh, okay. I've been driving around. Are you hot I've because I'm wearing around. a jacket, vaccine style? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm hot. My jacket keeps you warm. To... Exactly. Um. I've been listening to these advertisements from Arizona HHS and the federal HHS um, with a very, very nice lady and gentleman in their very nice, sing-songy voice uh, talking about vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds. And don't you know, um, you know, these, these future astronauts and engineers and all that, their future is going to be protected if they'll just run right down and get their vaccination. I've called the governor's office. I've called Arizona HHS. And left my comments, well, I'm sure they will do nothing, but I had to say something. This for a disease that does not, that is not put our kids at risk for the most part. The numbers are unbelievably. The numbers are as uh, close to, the numbers are as close to, 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 to zero as you can zero. possibly get when you do, when, when, when you do any kind of uh, epidemiological analysis of getting to zero. You, you are Absolutely. as close to zero as possible. The, um, the and, you, Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and for, a va- for a quote-unquote vaccine that, that we have no long-term testing right. on, and we're going to get, you know, when they were doing this with adults, it's one thing. Okay, adults, you make up your, your own mind. Yeah, that's but right. But when we're talking about kids, no. when we're talking about little ones, that's when my head's going to start blowing up. No, you're body. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Right. First of all, 
um, just to give people a, per, a, a perspective, Arizona's listing a little over 22,000 deaths with or from COVID. Of that 22,000, um, 50, 50 are under the age of 20. 50 are under the age of 20. The um, American Academy of Pediatrics, Arizona chapter, just put out a study on 396 child deaths last year that were preventable. Preventable, but not caused by COVID. Deaths that we saw increase in substance use, in self-harm, in all kinds of things that are attributable to the mitigation efforts and the stressors we have put on our children. So much so, they said, that a child being admitted to the hospital in Arizona or in this country is more likely statistically to be there for psychological or psychiatric reasons due to mitigation efforts than to COVID itself. What the hell are we doing to our society? A society that fears its children is a society that is equal to one that abuses them. Lisa, I share your anger. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.